Hey, happy Thursday, Lima Land. Welcome into the Basement Doctor Studio for Cookie and the Monster. John Cook and my partner is Garrett Seawright. We are with you from 4 to 6 each and every weekday. Garrett, this is one of those Thursdays that feels to me like it needs to be Friday. Um, I'm glad it's Thursday yeah. from, a, from a show standpoint because that means you're staying until 6, and I always appreciate when you're here <laughs> until the end. But feels like it ought to be a Friday. I have I have a, a day without students in the building at my day job tomorrow, so... Um, there's a good chance I'm going to arrive at this building in a much better mood. That'll with, happen. With a yeah. higher level of energy than I have for the remainder of this week. This week. But uh, I, I, I know I say this a lot, and, and whatever, but look out that window. It's a pretty day. Because it is October the 14th. Now, I, uh, while getting ready this morning, I thought, uh, hey, Alexa, what's the forecast today? She's like, it's a high of 83. You know, 83? What are we doing? What are we doing? I Celebrating. Was, I was considering putting on a, a light hoodie for work. To 83? No, I, sir. I, ne- I never really pictured myself as being that guy that, you know, kind of celebrates dad life by the things he talks about to a public that probably doesn't give a squat. But, <laughs> but, my, my, but here we are. My, my, my eldest child, uh, <laughs> keep in mind I have three-year-old twins and my eldest child's old enough to drink. Um, we, we talk regularly during my drive from BFE to the station. And, and so today she calls and she's like, dad, I'm, I'm really, really tired of arriving at class pouring with sweat Yeah, because she lives at the bottom of one of those hills in Athens that just probably shouldn't be considered a hill. It should be considered a small mountain. Right. And it's in Ohio. It is a mountain. Yes. yes. It is and absolutely so a mountain. She hoofs it up that hill every day to, to go to the, the, the one class that she has in, in, in the main building where she attends most of her classes. And I, I keep hearing about how she's sweating when she gets to class. And I keep saying, and everybody, know, you get it. I mean, I'm going to say, look, you aren't very far away from wishing that that was a problem. You are not right. very far away from wishing that was the problem. And I, I, so... I don't know. I just say it. It's it's week nine of the high school football season. We are going to, it looks like, I didn't look at the forecast for tomorrow. We're going to play nine full weeks of high school football. Nobody's going to have to have worn a jacket. Uh, tomorrow, high of 73. So we're, we're doing all right. Probably, it's probably going to get into the 50s by, right. by the second half. I would say half. low 50, uh, 55 tomorrow. So you might want to wear a light jacket for the second half. Uh, and then next Friday, the high looks like it's 61. So we're, we're going Where hoodies we next that? week. But week nine... Solidly in shorts. So let's get it over under here on how many days will actually feel like fall. You think we'll get to 10? No, see, I, when, when you said, you know, it's not going to be too long until you're wishing, <laughs> and I thought, in six weeks, your daughter's going to get to class and think, I'm never going to get warm again. <laughs> and, and, if she's anything like Dad, she's going to start to leave for class and say, nope, it ain't worth it. Oh, well, yeah. It's, <laughs> I am warm right now. Right. I'm warm in this bed. I don't, if I leave, it's, I, I always used, I used to tell my friends in college uh, when they would get on my case about skipping class, which is probably why I do this for a living now, is, uh, you know, 100% of shark attacks happen outside of my dorm room, believe it or not. A staggering 100% of shark attacks happen outside of this room. So, you know, you can never be too safe. I can remember part of my junior year of college, well, my first junior year, I guess, since it took me five to graduate, part of my first junior year of college, which was the first year I actually lived on campus, I just followed my high school's weather deals for the school. Like, if they delayed two, hour two delay. hours, so did I. Well, I guess we ain't going to class till 10. <laughs> if they if they closed, so did I. <laughs> Probably not a bad way to go about it. Well, it was a miserable way to go about it for a guy like me. That's pro- Again, when I, when I try to reflect back on why my four-year degree took me five years, 
There's a pretty good chance that that was a piece of the puzzle. Uh, pretty good chance that that was a piece of the puzzle. At the uh, the bastion of education that defines colleges, the they had replaced a bunch of sidewalks between the buildings my freshman year, <laughs> and they had not cured enough to put salt on them, so you were expected to walk through the grass during the snow. But, of course, nobody from maintenance was going to, you know, like shovel or snow plow, snow, snow plow the grass. So... In uh, January, you're walking through knee-high snow to get to class. Well, some people were. I was not. I, I wasn't walking through knee-high snow to get to history of rock and roll. We were, we, were, we, were, <laughs> we were sitting that out. Aren't you glad they didn't have Zoom as an option oh, back in man. those days? It had no excuse. Yeah. No excuse. Yep. Yep. I didn't have very many good excuses anyway, but I came up with excuses. Came up with, and you know, one of the things that we will do in the winter when it starts to get cold is we'll watch basketball. And it just so happens that part of my water cooler conversation from last night was that I was planning on trying to watch a little bit of basketball. I did watch some of the WNBA finals game two last night. For those of you that are keeping track, it is now an even series. The Chicago, <laughs> the Chicago Sky and the Phoenix Mercury are tied at one because after an overtime win last night. Uh, Phoenix has tied it up. 90, or 91-86 was the score last night. Series tied at one. And I talked to you about Diana Taurasi. Again, I let yes, me yes. dishumor me here. She's getting some age on her as a professional athlete. She's well, played. She's thirty, probably thirty-six. She's mid thirties. Yeah, she's played overseas. Obviously, her whole career because that's where the real money is. Then they come over here and they play in the WNBA season, which is in the summer. In fact, she took I think one whole season off a couple years ago because the Russian club that she was playing for said, "We'll give you an extra million dollars if you don't go back and don't play." Um, people acted like that was a tough decision. Um, she is thirty-nine. Again, not surprising to hear that. I didn't, I would have said 37, but um, she she had two points at halftime last night. She had a whopping two. And, you know, it, it, always people are going to talk about, you know, is, is she past her prime? She probably is. But she had 18 last night in the second half. Um, she was, Garrett, she was 0 for 9 from the three-point line in the first three quarters of that basketball game. She was 4 for 4 in the fourth quarter in overtime, and she outscored... Uh, the Chicago Sky by herself in the overtime period. Brittany Griner was the star of the night. She had 29, dominated the game, but Diana Trossi Tra- ended up with 20, and at winning time, she was the deal. You'll read on ESPN that Brittany Griner threw down the first finals dunk in WNBA history. Don't don't believe that. She she rubbed in the first WNBA <laughs> dunk in their finals history. She didn't throw down anything. I'm not taking away from it. She dunked it. It was a dunk that I, you know, if my twin brother who thought he could dunk when he was five foot eight had gotten one of those, we would have insisted it was a dunk. So right. I'm not belittling what she did, but it was really, really right. good basketball. And the WNBA finals are tied at one. Nobody's well, going to watch the rest of the series except I'm probably going to catch a little bit of it. But I said I was going to check it out last night, and I did. And I'm glad I did. Your five foot eight brother threw it down. He he it, he came really close. Yeah, it, but if he if, if he got if, one in, if that was your six foot eight brother, right. you would have insisted no. that was not no. a dunk. You no, you that's clumsy. when you say, well, technically, <laughs> I guess you can dunk. Yes, technically, I guess you can dunk, but it's not really something we're going to spend a ton of time talking about. So. Uh, I did see the other day where Diana Taurasi said that uh, she was not happy with the travel arrangements for the WNBA Finals. That uh, the birth of her second child was happening. And one of her quote unquote Russian friends, which is a phrase I would be pretty hesitant to use in America in 2021, <laughs> uh, had paid for her flights. That uh, she got a private flight because she couldn't get a. So apparently she's calling in favors from like Russian oligarchs to get her private plane flights in the United States. Well, uh, here's what I know is if, 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 
if Gina or Emma can't get it done for you and you've got other people that can, you use them. Right, might and, as well. And, and, and Diana's well. certainly in that class. I mean, again, to be a 39-year-old professional athlete for anybody is, is impressive. She's not the best player in the league anymore. She's the best player in the history of, uh, of the league, I believe. Um, certainly is still extremely and, – and I've said this. What separates women's basketball from men's basketball for the most part is the ability of people to do individually create their own shots and mm-hmm. score them when they need them. And she's one of the few that really can create her own and score it when she needs it. She shoots pull-up jump shots from four feet behind the three-point line, shoots threes off the dribble. Um, all the things that are quote-unquote modern basketball, she does them. And she's a really good passer. And not only that, she's just got an edge to her. She's fun to watch. And, and um, I... It's it's not going to ever replace you know Division One college or or the NBA for me. But when you don't have and haven't had basketball per se since you know June, like getting a little bit here in July, I guess getting a little bit here in October has been kind of fun for me. I've enjoyed it. Well, that's that's a. I know that's, you're that's not a, with me. You no, go watch your just, hockey and you can fill me. It's just a no. I I remember. Uh, I was watching, uh, I don't know if it was last year, maybe two years ago, I was watching like Western Michigan versus University of Nebraska, Omaha College Hockey on a Saturday night. And I'm like, oh, this is what John Cook does. But with like UW-Milwaukee versus um, University of Illinois-Chicago. I would take it. Valley basketball was worth it back in the day. Valley basketball. And and, and again, for what it's worth, and as sexist as this may sound, Skylar Diggins-Smith is not only a really good player, she's easy on the eyes too. Yeah, that's no. And, and, And she had... 13 points and 12 assists last night, and she's only like a year and a half removed from the birth of a child, too. Um, it's, and there's just outstanding. Courtney Vandersloot's really, really good. Candace Parker got her 1,000th career playoff point last night. I think she's a little underrated because she's been around for so long, but Candace Parker was... She was the future of the women's game for a long time before we started to see more and more people develop that six foot four to six foot seven frame that could play a little bit like a guard. And uh, it, again, it's it's just it's it's not the basketball that's going to draw my attention all winter long. But when I haven't had any basketball for a while, it's uh, I don't I don't watch any real regular season WNBA. But the playoffs are a little bit different animal. And uh, Garrett and I talked about it. They they execute they execute good stuff. And I'm always a guy. I don't know why at this stage why I'm trying to steal sets, but. I still like seeing them, writing them down, and remembering them. So it was it was a good way to pass an evening when we quote unquote didn't have any sports, and I still got a decent a decent amount of sleep. So we're gonna do poll questions when we come back. We're gonna talk with Chris Summers and Andy Schaefer of Spencerville and Columbus Grove, respectively, on their our fan game of the week coming up tomorrow night. We're also going to uh, get a little more football discussion. Well, Ryan Day says we should do away with kickoffs. That'll be our football five fifteen conversation. That and so much more on today's edition of Cookie and the Monster. This is Lima Sports Radio ninety three one The Fan. Welcome in to the Basement Doctor Studio once again. We are Cookie and the Monster. John Cook and Garrett Seagrave with you on Lima Sports Radio 93.1 The Fan. We are presented by Jerry Lewis McDonald's. You can apply at work at mcd.com. You can work today and get paid tomorrow at Lewis Family McDonald's. Oh, Mr. Seawright, we have poll questions today. We do. We've got two questions up that you can vote in, and we want you to vote in at 931 The Fan on Twitter until 545. The first question is, should they do away with the kickoff in football and just give teams the ball at the 25-yard line. That is uh, something that the big, I guess, takeaway from uh, Ryan Day's bye-week press conference today. What else, what else, else is he going to talk about uh, other than rules, which apparently we decided we were going to talk all week about too, by the way, that uh, whether you liked the first down rule or one foot or two foot inbounds. And, um, right now, 58% say no. They don't want to see the kickoff go away. Uh, and we'll talk more about that coming up at football at 515. 
And our second question, John, is which are you more likely to watch tonight? Thursday night football or game five Dodgers versus Giants? 85% <laughs> said they are more likely to watch Thursday night football tonight. Yeah. Uh-huh. That, that's 85%. Can I, can, I, can I get just a recap on the start times of those two contests, just to be clear? Uh, Thursday night football will begin tonight at 8.20 p.m. Thank you. Between the Philadelphia Eagles and the reigning champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. In baseball to the, tonight, between Dodgers-Giants, first pitch is set for 9.07 p.m. So when you've when you've got a 45-minute, which really is an hour when you start talking, because football, the pregame is worth it, the, the conversation's worth it, uh, that's going to impact that no matter what the, the no matter what's competing. I would like to see the poll if you switch the start times. I don't think it would change drastically. I think it would change a little. What if Dodgers Giants started at 7 p.m. rather than 8:20 p.m.? If Thursday night football started at nine and Dodgers Giants started at seven? Yeah, yeah. If Dodgers Giants started at seven o'clock tonight, John, do you stay up to watch the entire thing? Mr. Get up at 4.45 or whatever. Yeah, I think I'm going to give that a shot. I'm certainly going to watch it till I feel like it's comfortably decided. I mean, if it would be, you know, if it's 4-0 in the 8th, I might bag it. Right. Or switch over and try to catch some football before I fall asleep. Uh, I'm not shocked at that. I wonder if that's, then that's reflective of a small sample size here in our area. I wonder what the national number would be on that if it was, if you, you know, if you could, if you could nationally pull that, I wonder if it would be similar because that is... That's not surprising, but it's sad for baseball. Well, that's that's my takeaway from it is like, man, this is supposed to be the biggest playoff game outside of a World Series in a very long time. And I again, I realize it's a very unscientific number, but 85% of our listeners say they would rather watch a regular season Thursday night football game that doesn't have a whole lot of hype around it. And isn't likely to be super competitive. Right. It just surprises the heck out of me that that number is that high. This is a winner take all game between two one hundred and between the two best six teams plus wins team. Right, whoever wins tonight will have one hundred and ten wins, and it has the added advantage of being a historic rivalry. In addition to the fact that the Dodgers are trying to continue their quest to repeat. I mean, there's a lot that makes this what you would think is about as sexy as baseball can get, except it's not the World Series. And, and again, I would argue that's even better on some level because you won't watch these guys. Well, it's, it's out west anyway. But if it, in San Francisco, if this was taking place three weeks from now, you know, when it could take place, th- they might be frozen right. while they play. And I don't enjoy watching that. I don't at all. I mean, you got a chance to – I don't know. I, I'm going to start – my plan is to, to to watch the baseball. I'll start the football game. My plan is to switch over, um, you know, and, and watch the baseball until, well, I don't know. I guess I'll make it through at least an inning and a half <laughs> before, <laughs> I get, maybe. before I get too tired. Depending on pace of play. Stay awake. Yeah. So t- 545, you can vote on those poll questions at 931, the fan on Twitter. You can cast your vote there, and I don't know that we're going to see anything that drastically changes an 85 to 15 85%. margin. That's a big number. I look forward to talking about the kickoff thing because I can't necessarily say that I have strong feelings one way or the other, but I sure got oh, some fun thoughts I do. about 
I sure got some fun thoughts about what you do if you did replace the kickoff or do away with it, which I don't know that football will ever be that non-traditional or be willing to do that. Plus, at the professional level, it'd be a hell of a fight with your players association to eliminate an entire position um, I from the so. team. I think that would be a, a tough, tough, tough thing to do. Uh, l- l- potentially 11 spots. Uh, you know, guys that could make a roster. So that, that's going to be tough to, to do. But we'll talk about that as a part of our program. When we come back after this Don Jenkins Jeweler timeout, we're going to jump right onto the AmeriFirst Home Mortgage Hotline and visit with uh, Spencerville High School head football coach Chris Summers and Columbus Grove head high school football coach Andy Schaefer. Talk about the fan game of the week uh, between the Bearcats and the Bulldogs coming up tomorrow night. I'm John Cook. He's Garrett Seawright. This is Cooking the Monster, 93 on the fan. Welcome back into the Basement Doctor Studio. Uh, fan game of the week this week, Garrett. So you're at week nine, Spencerville Bearcats traveling to Columbus Grove to take on the Bulldogs. Yes, sir. I'm, I'm going to try to find a way to make that my excuse to go to Grillers and eat and oh. then probably not go to the game. <laughs> but, but, but I <laughs> might, be able, might be able to talk the, the wife into having a meal and then heading back home. But uh, big game uh, for, for Grove as they look to finish off uh, what they started this year. And I think would be fair to say that they have – outperformed expectations coming off the, the losses personnel-wise that they yeah. experienced. And Spencerville, uh, a difficult season, one that's, that's that's turned around here of late. I would say two of the more well-respected coaches in our area, and we are absolutely thrilled to have them. We're going to go to the AmeriFirst Home Mortgage Hotline and begin our conversation with Chris Summers of Spencerville High School. Coach Summers, welcome to the program. Uh, you got a couple of wins here back-to-back recently. What's been the difference for your team down the stretch here? No, you know, hey, our guys are playing hard as they have all year, and I think the difference is, you know, just sometimes when we've needed a play here or there, uh, we've been able to get it. Um, certainly, m- most most notably last week. And, you know, that's something we've stressed, and a win or lose, our guys have come in each week and have prepared hard and um, have done a great job. So, getting better, and, and that's where you want to be. Yeah, Chris, I think the the I guess the the cynical person could say, you know, offensively, you guys, uh, and it's not basic, but you, you run so many of the same plays over and over and over again. What is it that, that takes just a, a hot second to 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 really get rolling? You know, that's just the the nature of the offense. Um, if you run it, you understand it. It's just uh, it just wears on you. You know, it grinds and. Um, it doesn't work every time, but over time, um, you, you know, maybe there's just a crease here or there. Uh, running backs have really been trained to find it. And, and and I think it's just, you know, it can wear down a defense. So, um, you know, it's just one of those things we believe in. You just keep going at it. Uh, I've had good success with it over the years. And, um, you know, you just you hope as, as, as time goes on in the game, those holes get a little bit bigger, and, and uh, you know, maybe the three- or four-yard gain turns into the five- or six-yard gain or even more. Coach, when you play that physical style of offense that you just talked about, does it does it make it harder, you know, when you get in the later stages of the season uh, to continue to practice that way? Do you have to change your practice habits to avoid extra bumps and bruises? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I, I don't think we change a whole lot. I think we certainly try to take care of our young guys, you know, um, we're a small roster team, you know, so uh, health is to the utmost importance. Not that it wouldn't be if we were a large roster team, too, but uh, you have to be careful uh, on banging against each other a lot, and things like that. So a lot of bag work and, and things of that nature. But I do think within the offense, uh, to your point, as the year goes on, uh, you've done it over and over and over and over. 
maybe you can take the brakes, you know, you can put the brakes on a little bit and uh, focus on some other things uh, within the offense that, that you want to improve on or, or put more emphasis on your special teams or your defense. At this point of the season, uh, what what other things do you do to to try to keep practice fun and not be you know the same thing over and over and over again for you know the thirteenth straight week? What, what what other things do you incorporate while trying to keep things short and still kind of fun too? Yeah, sure. You know, I, I think with us always from an offensive standpoint, is always we're always working to get our passing game better. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think as the year goes on, too, you find some guys that. Um, maybe their abilities are getting a little bit better in other areas, so you try to get them involved a little bit more on the offensive side of the ball. But, um, you know, just like everybody else, you, you're still finding, um, you know what you have, but you're finding some other things too, and you're just trying to take advantage of it. So um, that's, that's kind of how we are on a week-to-week basis. Everybody at this time of the year mentions – uh, you know, hey, we need to get better at X, Y, Z. Where do you feel like you're pretty solid right now? Well, you know, we're running the ball hard, and um, in in our line is, I think it's better every week. Our running backs get better every week. I think the thing we are improving on is is, is our passing game. Um, I think that's something that we we're playing a sophomore quarterback. He Nate Colder. He's gotten better every week. Um, I think our pass protection's gotten much better. Um, and then defensively too, you know, in the back end, uh, secondary, or just you know, just little things that, that we're seeing improvements on, and and um, you know that means a lot. You know, we we appreciate our guys' efforts, and they're certainly giving us a lot. So, uh, any time at this year that you see yourself getting better, and in some of those areas, man, you know, you, you put a lot of emphasis on. Make sure you let the guys know. Uh, how much you appreciate it because like you did say you know you are you you have been grinding for a while now and you guys didn't get a chance to play columbus grove last year obviously they had great success but do you feel like not playing them a year ago in that shortened season with the revised schedule does that impact this game at all does it make any difference i nah, you know i don't know um that's a good question uh certainly knew that they were a great team last year know they're a great team this year too so um you know, we've always had great games. Um, you know what you're going to get with them. Uh, utmost respect for them. Starts with their head coach, and Andy Schaefer. What a fantastic job he does. And, um, you know, they're a really good football team. And uh, we've had some really good games in the past with them. So don't expect anything differently. Uh, great team. We're going to be really prepared to play. Well, Chris, uh, we wish you best of luck uh, tomorrow night. It should be a fun one there from Climber Stadium. Looking forward to it. Appreciate you giving us some of your time. I'm sure we'll keep chatting here as the playoffs approach. Hey, I appreciate you. Thank you. So from Chris Summers of Spencerville High School, again, thanks for joining us. Immediately we're going to jump over and chat with his opponent on Friday night, Columbus Grove head football coach Andy Schaefer. Andy's been on the program almost as much as you and I have, Garrett. So uh, big yeah, game yeah. on Friday night, home game. Uh, for for Grove again, trying to finish off just a spectacular season here in Week Nine. Uh, Andy, I, I want to ask when you, when you get this late in the year and you're coming off the the field at the end of a game, obviously the scoreboard matters the most. But what's really important to you to see that your guys have done really well? Well, I think the uh, the candid answer that every coach would say is, you know, the win and the and the loss column. But uh, and to be truthful, to me, it's more. Um, defense and field position um 
you know, we have an unbelievable kicker. I think everybody knows that with Reese Verhoff. But the way that he's been able to, you know, pin teams deep and uh, allow, you know, for, for other teams, you know, they've got to go the, the entire distance of the field, you know. But for our offense, you know, we, we have short fields. So we, mm-hmm. we actually look like we don't have a very good offense. But you know, when you look at uh, in our conference – but when you look at points on the board, um, we're the top. Well, why is that? Well, that's because we have unbelievable field position. So I guess that's what really matters. And I know everybody's got goals and things like that, but 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 there's nothing that, you know, do you have a philosophy of, hey, if we're better than them on third down or, hey, we win the turnover margin that, you know, we feel really good about our chances to win? Well, both of those. I mean, you, you touched on them. I mean, third down is extremely important. We want to be 60% or more on third down. We want to hold the other team to 30% or less on third down. So we, we put a lot of emphasis on that. But, uh, you know, how do you, how do you increase your 30, uh, your third down percentage? Well, that's, you know, having success on first and second down. Cause if you don't do that, then, and obviously third down isn't going to happen. But, you know, those are certainly a big part of it. And, um, <laughs> Uh, but uh, you know, there's there's a lot to it. Um, you know, I don't really get hung up on stats too much, but uh, but we certainly do look at it. Columbus Grove head coach Andy Schaefer joining us on the AmeriFirst Home Mortgage Hotline. And, and Andy, it's a question that I, I think is fun because every high school football coach in the area is a sandbagger where we constantly ask, where can you get better? Where can you get better? Where do you guys think you're really good right now? Where do we are we really good? Yeah, uh, where do you where do you I mean, where do you think that you're just awesome? Uh, defense. I mean, it's it's really where it's at. I mean, we're we're only giving up about uh, you know, six points per game or eight points per game, something along those lines. Um, you know, in today's game, it's a lot different than thirty years ago um, when when people just ran the ball all the time. So, you know, to be disciplined and run and pass, um, I think it's extremely good for us. Um, I, I really feel like we have the best linebackers in in all of Division Six. Um, I really feel that way. Um, we we really got a good linebacking crew, and because of that, it really helps us shut down the run. Coach, you mentioned de- defending the, the the game with the with the changes in football and the more quote unquote modern approach. Do you feel like it's it's more important to be better against the pass or still against the run? What's your take? Uh, you know, uh, it just depends on your kids, and and that's a, that's the great thing and the worst thing about high school football is you never know what you're going to get because you don't go out and recruit it's just here's your guys and and you know last year we were more of a finesse team we put up a lot of points but we gave up a lot of points um and it really didn't matter because we were we were averaging 40 points a game you know this year um you know i think we're only averaging you know 36 points a game which is pretty good but but our defense is only giving up eight well why is that because we just have tough aggressive kids we don't have finesse athletes on defense that we did last year um we just we just have the guys that want to take your head off to be honest and it certainly seems as if that 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 defensive style goes well against an offense like Spencerville you'll play on Friday night that you know they want to run the ball 95 percent of the time I know that it from our perspective and the average fans perspective that that Spencerville's offense looks really simple and yet, they, they they average 300 yards a game on the ground. What is it about th- that wing T style that that is so difficult to stop? Well, it's, you have to be disciplined. I, I think the hardest thing is um, uh, they've got like uh, each play that they have has 
like three plays that I would say are married to it, whether it's two runs at a uh, play action or, you know, that's the best way to describe it. And what does that mean? It means everybody's doing the exact same thing except for, you know, where the ball goes. And so, you know, you may show up to the hole and, and try to tackle somebody that you think that has a ball, but he's just carrying out a fake or maybe it's two fakes and a play action deep, you know, that kind of thing. They, their plays look so similar. They're so disciplined because they only run a few that you you can't start thinking. You have to trust, okay, this is where I'm supposed to be, whether the ball's there or not. And I've got to trust that my other guy will shut down the other play. And, you know, it's hard for teams to be disciplined and uh, like that, especially at high school kids. You know, you're, you're counting on, you know, 16-, 17-, kids to be disciplined on every play. And let's, let's be honest, that's not the easiest thing to do. Coach, now that you've wrapped up your preparation uh, for tomorrow night's game, and we talked a little bit about Spencerville's style of play, uh, what about this particular Spencerville team stands out to you? Well, obviously, their run game. I mean, they're physical. They they run the ball well. Um, you know, and you know, you just talked to me about third down, how important it is. Well, uh, you know, for us uh, to beat a Spencerville, you got to get them to third and long. If it's third and three, third and four, you're in a world of hurt because you don't know if it's going to be that play action pass. You don't know if it's going to be that run. Um, you know, it, it's just you got to get them behind the chains and. And that's the thing. How do you get Spencerville behind the chains? Uh, two years ago when we beat them, we were able to do that. Believe it or not, it was in the early in the second quarter when we had, we were up 14 points early. They came out in a spread offense. And if we can get Spencerville to switch offenses and get it with spread, we feel like we got a good shot. Well, Andy, uh, best of luck. I uh, appreciate uh, you giving us some of your time. And uh, I'm sure we'll be chatting with you here as uh, more and more playoff uh, uh, picture becomes clearer and clearer. But uh, we appreciate your time this afternoon. Best of luck tomorrow night. Thanks so much again to both Chris Summers and Andy Schaefer joining us uh, on the AmeriFirst Home Mortgage Hotline. Our fan game of the week again, 6.30 airtime tomorrow night from Columbus Grove, 7 o'clock kick. Uh, Garrett and Jacob Regali on the call of that one. Uh, this area is so filled with rivalries, Garrett, and I don't want to you know beat a dead horse here, but w- when you look back over the last decade of high school football in the Northwest Conference, there are a lot of teams that have had a lot of success, but I, I would say from a from a consistency night in, night in, week in, week out basis of knowing you're going to be in an absolute battle, this may be certainly two of the top, if not the two top teams in that conference, and they're so well established, such good coaches, and it should be a, a really good matchup. I'm almost jealous you get to be there. Yeah, no, it's uh, these are the two schools that every week everybody knows, no matter whether they're going to be um, you know, with a winning record in the playoffs or not, that you're going to get a good shot. And actually, uh, I didn't realize this until uh, Ned Steckschulte, who's Grove's uh, uh, statistician, sent me the stats, uh, that Grove has beaten Spencerville once since 2010. Wow. Spencerville won eight in a row there, and then they pl- Grove beat them in 2019. They didn't play last year, but... Spencerville won eight in a row there since 2010, so uh, it, they had their number there for a while, and uh, it's been uh, there's been some close matchups, some dogfights, and it, it should be a dandy tomorrow night. Should be an interesting matchup, and you'll get to catch it right here on Lima Sports Radio 93.1 The Fan. It is time for our next Don Jenkins Jeweler timeout. When we come back, we're going to have a little brief conversation about some Ohio State basketball. The ACC Big Ten Challenge is going to be played in late November this year, and Ohio State is hosting the Evil Empire. The Dukies will be coming to Columbus for a 9.30 p.m. tip-off on a Tuesday night. We'll talk about that on the other side of this timeout. Cookie and the Monster, 93 won the fan.
Welcome back into the Basement Doctor Studio. If you heard us right before the break, you know that it's been announced that Ohio State, when they host Duke in the Big Ten ACC Challenge or ACC Big Ten Challenge, however it is ESPN prefers we say that, they are going to host Duke and it's going to be a 9.30 tip. Garrett, your thoughts? I know you got thoughts. Uh, they, they, they know that Columbus, Ohio is in the Eastern Time Zone, right? Yeah. 9.30? Yeah. What are we doing? I, I'm not, 9:30? not entirely sure about that. I know Duke has played a lot of their share of, of those second slot games on ESPN broadcast, but they've played them at home. I've not played many of those on the road. Um, that is the ACC Big Ten Challenge is the only quote-unquote real basketball going on. If you look at the schedule on November 30th, everybody is playing there. Pad your stats and build your confidence games except the ACC and the Big Ten. And there are several games that are listed as a TBD uh, as far as starting time and, and uh, where it's on television. So somebody in the ACC Big Ten Challenge is getting that 7 o'clock slot. But it ain't Duke and it ain't Ohio State. They're going to play each other at 9.30. And I, it, for what it's worth, I don't – it's so odd. Ohio State's schedule to start the year is 6 p.m. tip, uh, a 6.30 p.m. tip, a 6.30 p.m. tip, a 6 p.m. tip. And then they're going to play Duke at 9.30. Uh, I, I think that's going to be a little bit of an adjustment. Obviously, Ohio State's got an experienced team, so it's likely not to be a huge problem. But I just, I'm, I'm pissed because I probably won't see the end of that. That's yeah. a Tuesday night. <laughs> I got to work. <laughs> I'll be lucky if I get to halftime. Yeah, well, I'm hoping I can at least get that done. But at, at this stage of the game, I'm just glad we're going to get to see Ohio State and Duke. I think it's been uh, long overdue. We've seen it once before that I can recall, and I think it's going to be interesting. And I love Ohio State's team this year. I really do. I think they got a great chance to be a, a, a really interesting Big Ten team and an interesting national team um, because of the experience that they've got back. And, and if you don't believe in Chris Holtman, that's on you. Time for our next Don Jenkins Jeweler timeout. I'm John. He's Garrett. Cookie and the Monster. Lima Sports Radio, 93.1 The Fan. Hour number two straight ahead, Lima Land. Thanks for joining us. If you are just joining the program and you missed our open, remember we do have a podcast now at 93.1 The Fan com on Twitter, but 93onthefan.com, excuse me. You can uh, pick up anything you may have missed. Uh, it is both hours broken down as a podcast. You can catch what you may have missed. But you, what you did miss, if you weren't with us uh, earlier in the program, is our poll question for today. So before we talk about Mike Schilt being fired by the Cardinals, which is just a conversation I am looking forward to for about three different reasons, let's, let's talk about and review those poll questions again, Garrett. Yeah, so we had two questions up, have two questions up, at 931thefan on Twitter. You can vote in until 545. The first question is, should they do away with a kickoff and just give teams the ball to the 25-yard line? Right now, 60% say no. If you want to vote, hop on at 931thefan on Twitter. We'll chat about that coming up in about 10 minutes during football on 515. And we are asking, which are you more likely to watch tonight? Thursday night football or Game 5 Dodgers versus Giants, 84%. Say Thursday night football. 84%? 84%. Not at all surprising. I wonder what percentage of Cardinal fans would have voted to fire Mike Schilt, their manager. I bet it's not high. I, I, w- I would assume not. Just just a couple of things that, that struck me about this whole announcement. First of all, the firing of coaches who have been relatively successful – and it's always because of philosophical differences, in air quotes. Just like when coaches retire or step away from the game because they haven't been successful, they are going to spend more time with their family, in those same air quotes. I don't know what the philosophical differences are, and I believe that that's not something that would be considered a state secret. You could actually tell people if you chose to, but they don't oh, do that. Right, they don't do that. Because, because they, they either don't want to reveal what the truth is about why they fired a guy, or they don't really want to, anybody to know what they're 
philosophy. I was going to say, the, <laughs> the philosophical differences could be true. They certainly just, could be. You just don't want to have the receipts out there of yeah. which way you felt about the philosophical difference. Right. Well, and then you don't want you don't want to lay it out there and then have your philosophical point or perspective and your philosoph- philosophy driving the decision making and then you're worse three years from now than you right. were when you fired the guy. Yeah. That can't be because you did it your way and all of those things. And and so that's one thing. Number two is there there have been three baseball managers fired thus far in the in the postseason. Jace Tingler of San Diego got fired. Um, again, clearly a late season collapse that I don't know should have resulted in the guy getting fired, but it's easy to point to what exactly was the catalyst behind the decision. Yes. Maybe there were other things, but the, the reaction got started because of a late season collapse. Luis Rojas fired by the Mets because they had two miserable years. Underperformed significantly. Uh, they're in New York, so it doesn't matter. I mean, it's New York. And those those and kind of things you are, will underperform no matter what. Yeah, understandable that that would happen. Mike Schilt, however, fired by the St. Louis Cardinals. He's been on the job for three years. He was the 2019 National League Manager of the Year. He's been to the playoffs all three years of his tenure as manager. He's got a 252 and 199 for your keeping track at home. That's a 56 percent or just a tick under, 56% winning percentage. Um, they've only won one postseason series. I guess that would be the one thing that you could look at and say maybe that's... But how many other franchises are firing a guy at the end of three straight years in the postseason? How, I, I don't... I, again, I need to know what the philosophical differences are. See, that's the... Okay, the Padres manager got fired because they underperformed. The Mets manager was fired because they underperformed. If the Cardinals think that they underperformed in 2021, I don't know that I can get on that on board with that because I yeah. I don't I don't see it that way. I don't see that they underperformed and took the second best team record wise in baseball to the brink of elimination in the wild card game. I I, I can't get on board with that they underperformed. So I'm with you that I would need more information of what the philosophical difference was. If he was to say, you know what, I think my pitch, I think the starting pitcher should pitch nine innings, and every position player should play 162 games, and they should run sprint out every ball, and um, you know what, whatever old school baseball and your philosoph your, your philosophies were, you know, you believe in sabermetrics and things like that. I understand, but if your philosophical differences are he didn't win enough. I don't know that you are correct in that assessment. Well, I, I don't either, and, and it begs the question for me, again, from just a kind of a, a somewhat bigger picture perspective. It's not like I'm zooming way out here, but I, they they very easily could have could have beaten the Dodgers in that wild card Absolutely. Game. I mean, it, it's almost fair to say that, that they, they should have. They, they certainly could have won that game. Uh, had they won that game and gotten to the division series. I don't know what I think they would have done against the Giants. Here's what I do know. The Giants have shut the Dodgers out twice. Right. And it's still going to go to a game five. I, I guess what I'm looking at and trying to put my finger on is if Mike Schilt's Cardinals win that wild card game and go to the division series and lose in five, are we still, you know, right, still the those, philosophical right. differences are what's getting do us? Do those differences exist? Yeah. And 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 or if if they go and win, uh, you know, 
I mean, I don't understand. I, and and that it's not their requirement. They're not their obligation, I guess is a better word. Said the guy that tries to talk every day for two hours and not sound like an idiot. It's not their obligation to, to shed any light on that. It's just, here's what I think is your organization and the guy that I want to call the GM, because that's just what you're supposed to call people, but he's actually the vice president of baseball operations. We just continue to find ways to make up titles. But is it Mosellock? John Mosellock. John Mosellock. He's the guy that built this roster that everybody said in March and early April isn't very good. Correct. This team is not going to be very good. The National League Central is going to be a bad division for the first time in a while. That's why the feeling was that the Reds would have a legitimate chance to win that division because, well, the rest of the teams just weren't supposed to be very good. So the roster that you built and put together, he had some role in getting from about a 500 baseball team who coasted into a wild card spot. Um, where where did the philosophical differences exactly start to begin to become evident? Was it early in the year? Was it middle of the year? Was it, it late in the year? During your seventeen game uh, win streak, uh, that led you uh, to win the wild card by six games. And 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 again, I I don't mean to belittle it. I just mean that what it really does for guys like us that want to talk about stuff is when you use a generic term, philosophical right. differences. We're trying to evaluate and trying to determine what those philosophical differences could be because, again, they were a frog's hair away from winning a wild card game, which would have put them in a, in a matchup with San Francisco that I think they would have probably felt fairly confident in. And and if they end up losing in five games, like the Dodgers might do tonight, yeah. are those philosophical differences just small enough that you can ignore them? Or, or do you go ahead and make... I, it, it's puzzling to me. And the reason it's puzzling to me is because I'm looking around baseball and I'm seeing certain guys that have contracts. Or contract or, extensions. Or got extensions uh, that have a lot less to show for their time as a manager. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, when Mike Matheny got fired, I, I almost feels to me like that was the same... It was like philosophical yeah. differences. It was kind of the Mike Matheny thing. So this guy's been in your franchise... And, and, and some people may not know this. Hell, I didn't know Mike Schilt's name until three weeks ago. That's not an exaggeration. I didn't right, know who no. the Cardinals manager was until three weeks ago when they got they were in the middle of a poopy hot streak, and I wanted to know who Mike Schilt was. And he's been with the franchise 20 years. I mean, he's worked his way up through your franchise from minor leagues to the major league coaching staff to the major league manager. At what point did this guy's tenure with your franchise, when did he become so rogue and away from the philosophy that, I'm, right. I'm just not getting my mind around philosophical differences and where they would have developed for a guy that's been in your franchise for 20 years and groomed, essentially, to be in this spot. And then, oh, by the way, performed relatively well by any measurable standard. And today he's out of a job when he had one year left on his contract. If, for instance, David Bell had taken the Reds to three playoff appearances in the last three years. Yeah. And he got fired today due to philosophical differences. What would the reaction be from Reds fans? It would be interesting. It would be astronomical. Yes, it, would, it would be fun to watch. Um, and so I don't. I don't know if they're trying to send a message to their fans that by God, losing in the wild card is not good enough. That's, that's not what they said. They said it wasn't about wins and losses. That's, just, that's their statement. Now they're either lying 
or, or something they just don't goes feel down. like sharing but, anything with 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 us about why they're making that decision. But what message does it send to Reds fans that they believe that David Bell deserves it? If it's a message coming from the Cardinals, the response is bleep you going back the other way. It doesn't matter what the message is because it's the Cardinals. But I but you're right. The Reds fans are going to sit back and say it must just be that our manager and our front office are on the same page. Same front office that fired a pitching coach and hitting instructor, or a pitching director and hitting and director in the minor leagues and throughout the France. It's been there a year and a half. and I, I, I don't know. No, it, There's been very little reason to question the St. Louis Cardinals as an organization, historically speaking. Right, They've right. tended to do things right, so we'll wait and see. But it's the same question for me that it is in any sport when you see a guy get fired. Who are you getting? Do you have a short list? Do you know? Because what you uh, had is pretty good. According to Jeff Passan, ESPN Major League Baseball writer. I could listen to that guy talk all day. There are two names to watch. Skip Schumacher, former Cardinals second baseman, and Matt Holliday, former Cardinals outfielder. Yeah, okay. So those are the two well, that he's, he believes, basically, tweeted, tweeted out his thoughts of, if they fired Mike Schild, it's because they firmly believe one of these two guys is going to be their next manager. Well, they did say they've got some strong in-house candidates. Uh, Skip Schumacher is the bench coach for the San Diego Padres, and Matt Holliday has worked as a hitting instructor and things like that for them. So, so. that would be a strong in the, in uh, in-house candidate. We will we will see, and we'll watch with bated breath because as a Reds fan, we want to know which guy's going to get the responsibility of dethroning or, or or forcing David Bell to the unemployment line sometime in the next two to three years, which I assume is probably going to happen. But we can hope not, and we can continue to root against Cardinals, which we will. Time for another Don Jenkins Jeweler timeout. When we come back from this break, it'll be time for football at 5.15, and we're going to talk about the possibility of doing away with the kickoff. Ryan Day thinks we should. What do you think? Lima Sports Radio, 93 on the fan. And Service Master at your service welcomes you to football at 5.15. Hard work, determination, and sportsmanship create opportunities to be your best. Like the great Bear Bryant once said, it's not the will to win, but the will to prepare to win that makes a difference, and that's why at Service Master, they don't cut corners. They clean them. Today, during the weekly Ryan Day show, Ryan Day made the point of saying that he would be quite all right with eliminating kickoffs from college football. That he would be A-OK with just getting rid of kickoffs and letting the other team, the opposing team, get the ball to 25-yard line. Now, I I don't know how you feel about it, John. You're going to find out. I would love to find out. <laughs> I also I, I, I have a defense for uh, anybody who thinks that that's a dumb idea. I, I, am, I would be all for it. I, I, I hear these talks about it, it. It would improve the safety of the game and all those things. I would be all for eliminating the kickoff. Uh, to me, it's somewhat the equivalent of a jump ball after a made basket 120 years ago yeah. in basketball. Uh, although I understand it's it's a reset, I get all that. I I, I don't mind the idea of just giving the ball to twenty five. That's where they start, and away we go. Um, you, you lose the onside kick as a possible weapon or tool, and I believe that in replace of that, if you do away with kickoffs, you you just say to to every team, you can kick. You there won't be a kickoff. Your opponent can have it at the twenty five, but you can opt for. A fourth and 18 at your own 40. And if you get it. And if you get it, you get to keep the ball and continue trying to score. So that would that would replace 
the, the, the onside kick would be replaced by, can I get a 4th and 18 to keep possession of the football at my own 40? Uh, I, that's not an original idea. I didn't make that up. I got that from someplace a couple years ago, and I thought that is bleeping fantastic. I would love to see that, and if it does away with the kickoff, fine. We don't gripe about safety issues. I also remember feeling like the kickoff was supposed to be this big advantage a few years back for super athletic teams. I remember when Urban Meyer was in Columbus, and they were always trying to kick it off to about the three and then cover it and yes. pin it inside the 20. Well, they were bad at it. They were really bad at Horrendous. it. Horrendous. And, and, and he I would, would get so damn mad about it. And I would scream about just... Make a guy kick it out of the end zone and quit worrying about this, but that's neither here nor there. It would you would lose some of the value of having a quality kicker, although you're still going to kick extra points, probably still going to kick field goals. Um, but you'd lose some of that. I just think that there is so much that would add to the potential excitement of the game, uh, and, and it does get safer at the same time. I I would have zero problem with eliminating the kickoff. I am in that camp as well. Uh, there are people who will tell you the kickoff's one of the most exciting plays in football. Literally eighty percent of the time in the NFL, it's probably higher now in college. I would guess it is. The end the the end result is a is a fair catch or a touchback, and the ball starts at twenty five yard line. I don't know about you, but I have valuable seconds of my life. I am a large, rather large, robust man. At some point, my heart's going to explode like its secretariat's. I I could use all of those precious seconds watching football rather than going through the formality because that's just the way it should be. No, it shouldn't. It's the most boring play in football, actually. The on, and people will tell you, well, if you don't have onside kicks, how are you going to have a comeback attempt? Which your result is. Um, a, I think a, it solves it entirely. As a perfectly fine substitute. You know what the success rate for onside kicks were in the NFL last year? About. What they got? What they get? Like th- it was, two or three? It was four percent. Four percent. So ninety-six percent of onside kicks did not work. And you can get hurt. <laughs> and right. And you get the biggest collisions of the game during kickoffs. I would have no problem getting rid of them. Now, if you are so staunch in your support of the kickoff, which after my lovely dissertation of why you shouldn't be, I don't know how you could be. Uh, and 56% say they shouldn't just get the football to 25-yard line. There should still be kickoff. Well, they should go back and revote before 545 because now they've heard, they've heard a well-informed argument as to the benefits. I want you to imagine where Ryan Day came to your job, and let's say you're a plumber, and you say, we need a three-inch pipe there, and Ryan Day goes, nah, I think you should do two. I think you should use a two-inch pipe there. Your response would be, well, what the hell do you know about it? <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. That's the point. <laughs> Obviously, I would I feel safe in assuming that that guy knows more about football than I do. That he's probably got a better idea of what should and shouldn't be happening between those lines than I do. I'm going to go with him on this one. What do you say to the person who might say that every other sport in the world has specialized to the nth degree? Why would we eliminate a specialist position like kick returner? Um, because those people, if they're, if they're not good enough to be running backs, wide receivers, defensive backs, that they, that they shouldn't be on the field. It's the same response I have somewhat to the people who bitch about the, the relievers needing to get, need to pitch to three batters rather than one. Everybody else, uh, got to major league baseball because they had to be good at multiple things. Why should left-handed relievers be the only one? Why should... I, I'm full on get rid of extra points. Let's run like give me a one point conversion from the two and a half yard line and a two point conversion from the five and just be done with it. 
I, everybody I, bitches I, I, that games I'm, come down to kickers. I'm well, favor, then stop it. I'm in favor stop of that it. too. I'm in favor of that too. And to couple that to actually to do something to enhance the value of a kicker, I'm ready to give four points for anything beyond 55 yards. I think that's fine too. That'll enhance the value of the kicker. We still don't need the extra point. It's one point from the two and a half, two points from the five, or from the from the eight, nine, whatever. I, I'm all with you on that. I'm all with you, but we can enhance the value of the kicker. I, I, we should just rewrite football's rules. I'm That'd be fun. In, I'm in favor of that, but nobody asked, so we'll just... <laughs> they asked Ryan Day. Well, he gave his yeah. answer. And, and you know what? He's right. He, Ryan yes, Day yes. is right. So you 56% out there just... As I said the other day, just sit there in your wrongness and be wrong because we we got nothing for you. We do need to take another Don Jenkins Jeweler timeout. And uh, when we come back, I want to talk L.A. Dodgers and San Francisco Giants. Not that I'm particularly passionate about either team, but this is a 106 win and a 105 win team playing in the postseason. A winner take all game that doesn't doesn't get (laughs) anybody to the World Series. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Don Jiggs Dueler timeout right now. Cookie and the Monster, Lima Sports Radio, 93 on the fan. Welcome back into the Basement Doctor Studio. Cookie and the Monster on 93 on the fan, where we are presented by Jerry Lewis McDonald's. You can apply at work at MCD.com. And you can work today and get paid tomorrow at Lewis Family McDonald's. Mr. Seawright, it is Thursday. It is NFL night, and we're going to probably probably see what I think should be an outstanding baseball game that gets watched by very few Americans. Yeah. Dodgers and Giants in San Francisco, the 106 win Giants, that's regular season wins, 105 win Dodgers, first and second in the in the NL West. Um the Dodgers are the money, the betting favorite in the National League to get to the World Series, to repeat as champions. But they didn't win their division, so they had to play a wild card game. They have to play the best team in their division, the best team in baseball record-wise, in the division series. And if they win, they have to go to Atlanta for Game 1 of the NLCS. If the Giants win, obviously they will host Atlanta in Game 1 of the NLCS. Uh, we have talked a little bit on here about the historic rivalry that is the Giants and Dodgers. I mean, it's it's ridiculous, the, the history that exists between these two franchises. And then I didn't know it, and I'm so thankful that we get some of the research that we get. Giants and Dodgers head-to-head all-time in the regular season. The Giants have 1,270 wins. The Dodgers have 1,248 wins. That's astronomical to me that you can have that close of a win total after I don't know how many years that is. 10,815 runs. For the Giants, who have 22 more wins, mind you, than the Dodgers. 10,846 runs for the Dodgers. And 1,759 homers for the Giants. 1,655 for the Dodgers. Um, What I found interesting in that historical note is they've actually had 17 ties in the regular season. Uh, Yeah, I got questions there. Yeah, that's, that's interesting to me. Um, it's only the fifth winner-take-all game between 100-win teams ever in the history of baseball. And it's been a really interesting series so far. The Dodgers have won two and lost two. And in the two that they lost, they did not score. They have 16 runs in the series. And all 16 runs came in the two games that they won. Um, 
I don't know what to make of the Giants. I, 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 I feel like there are people who believe the Dodgers are just a better team, and it's not been true for 165 games now. 666 games. 67 for the Dodgers, but 166 uh, for them. Um, but it feels like the Dodgers are a pretty heavy favorite. Am I wrong? No. And that's the, like, head-scratcher, because generally you abide by the rule of whoever the home team is 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 the favorite. And I don't know if we're just uh, if we're, we're drunk to the Dodgers' talent level or what, or just maybe the Giants don't have the name recognition that the Dodgers do, um, and the Giants have... Um, dudes in their in their own right that that are legitimate stars. I just think we're, we're I guess a little more used to exposed to the Dodgers. Well, we're, I, I mean, there's certainly we're, we're we're certainly saturated with more Dodgers coverage uh, nationally. Yeah. I believe I mean, again that comes with being the reigning champion. That comes with having those high expectations. Uh, the Giants flew under the radar, and most people assumed they were eventually going to go away. They just never did. Yeah, I, but I think that comes with having the. Two hundred ninety million dollar payroll too. Of you know whoever had that, whoever whoever has that number, they're going to get a little bit more coverage because they are spending that much money. I, I think they are the favorite. Um, I think the uh, the last minute pitching change is uh, interesting. Uh, they are no longer starting uh, Julio Urias. Urias He's not starting. No, uh, they are starting uh, Craig. Uh, is that Craig Kniebel? Yeah, Craig Kniebel. Craig Kniebel. Yeah. Uh, Corey, Corey, can Corey, sorry, Corey, can Um, but no, no, that happened like within the last hour. Uh, it was earlier this afternoon, like three, roughly three o'clock or so. Um, but well, I, I had some good Julio Urias stats. I was, <laughs> I was looking forward to sharing some uh, of those. Yes, uh, two, two hours ago, so th- three thirty-five is when I got the notification. That- are you, are you an analytics guy, Garrett? Um, if I advanced can, metrics, guy? if I can understand them, yes. Like I, you can tell me how you calculate, like. All the wars, I, 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 just tell me who's good. I just want to know. So I'm I'm, a, I'm an on base percentage guy more than you know a batting average. But the the, the crazy analytics where there are the, the mathematical equations shown, I can't even read in English. Did Did you know that there's a statistic in baseball on advanced metric called hard hit rate? I did. I I, I had heard that it was. Don't don't really know. Now I, I will say I know some of this stuff because of what I watch the Statcast version rather than the Alex Rodriguez Matt Vasquez yeah, version you've, of Sunday Night you've Baseball. Shared, yeah. You shared rather eloquently your feelings about Alex. Yeah, Rodriguez so I, and I like Jason. I like Jason Benetti and Eduardo Perez. I think they're really good, and they give you all the stupid stats that make baseball kind of fun and wonky. You know what's funny is I love Eduardo Perez too, but but every time I see Eduardo Perez's face on a screen, I get pissed at Marge Shot. See, I she fired Tony. I kid, I, I kid I, you not. I, I don't know why that triggers that in me. Like that's that's not a good sign for my health. Overall. I was 29 years old before I knew Eduardo Perez was was Tony Perez's son. I had no idea. I just uh, <laughs> racist <laughs> sentence coming. I just thought he was you know a, a Perez another from Perez. right, just another you know well, a, another Latin American a, right, Perez. another Latin American Perez that was a baseball player. I had no idea. And then I think it was during no, it was, it was like last. It was like last summer when they were doing the Korean baseball games at 5.30 in the morning. I watched one <laughs> or right, two of those. And I'm watching, and he's like, you know, my, they're talking, he kept saying, my dad, my dad, my dad. I'm like, well, I don't know who the hell your dad is. <laughs> why, why, do you, I why do I care about who your dad is? And finally, Boog Shambi's like, Eduardo's dad, you know, le- baseball legend. And I was like, oh, I, ne- I had literally no idea. 
Yep, every time. And, and, no and I think Eduardo's good on TV. He's interviewed for a couple coaching positions. Yeah. I think he's extremely well respected. And, and every time I see him, I get pissed at Mark Shot. <laughs> every time. That's not. That is. That can't be good. There's something that's got to be worked out of me, because I was—I I mean, I was a big Red Machine fan, and David Concepcion was the man to me entirely. And if he doesn't get into the Hall of Fame, on somebody, they need to close the damn building if he doesn't get in the Hall of Fame. I don't want to hear your arguments. Don't, don't at me. I don't care. But right behind Davey for me was Doggy. Tony Perez was my guy. See the ball, hit the ball. He was my guy. And when he went to Montreal, I was sad. <laughs> like, and, and when he came back late in his career, and then he got the managerial job, and I don't have any idea if he could have managed his way out of this building. I don't have any idea. I know this. When you hired him, if you said 44 games was a good enough sample size to know you made a mistake, you made a big-ass mistake. He didn't. You did. I just want you to imagine a scenario where you're like, laying down in a therapist's couch and they're like john what's got you so mad today of and, all the things that I, piss me off about marge <laughs> tony probably shouldn't be the one well that's, there's that but i just imagine like you like you're like of all the things that have happened to you in the last 18 months or whatever that we won't get into yeah. i just you saying well marge shot fired tony perez after 44 games you lead with that <laughs> eduardo perez pisses me makes me pissed off and marge shot uh, what's what's that, sir? What's that? <laughs> and truthfully, if I could find a way to work all that out, the rest of the stuff I've gone through right. would probably <laughs> right, gradually right. fall in line. Yeah, it would probably be bad. would. But I started talking about the advanced metrics because the ESPN stats that we get talks about the Dodgers having 16 runs in two wins and no runs in the other two, but but literally declares that it may be an indication that the Giants got a little lucky in two shutout wins because. Their hard hit rate was 53%. Their batting average on balls put in play was 217 in the two losses when it was 357 in the two wins. I I don't I don't know. Does that does that mean they're you know they're still hitting it hard and they're putting it in play a lot and it's just you know that's just the breaks of baseball? I was gonna say, is that just baseball? Because yeah, because that's what I'm saying. That's that's true of, of some no hitters. Like Teams have been no hit with the fifty-three percent hard hit rate, and a two seventeen or less. <laughs> it would be less, a much significantly less. <laughs> yeah. No, I, yeah, I I wonder because you hear guys talk about there are dudes who are in a slump and dudes who are just not good at baseball anymore, and the dudes who are in a slump are tattooing the ball and they're hitting it right at people. So I, I just I wonder if that is just part of the the fun that is baseball at when you sometimes you hit the ball hard and it's right at somebody and sometimes you barely get any wood on the bat and it's a bloop single. If there is one argument that could be made for why you might think the Dodgers would be the favorite tonight, I found it. It is the fact that Chris Bryant and Buster Posey of the Giants are a combined they have eleven hits, two home runs, and four RBIs between them in this series. The rest of the Giants position players have twelve hits two home runs, and five RBIs. Well, and I, 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 one of the stats in there is that Buster Posey is literally hitting 500 off Julio Urias. At, and, and it's not like, you know, one for two. It's like 40 for 30 for 60 that he's, <laughs> he's just tears this dude up. And that might be part of why he might not be pitching tonight. I don't know. That could be. But, but I'm looking at these stats they give us. and Bryant and Posey are batting three seventy nine. Everybody else the rest bat- of the team's batting 135. The rest of the team's batting 180. Not even a 180. Again, four four RBIs out of those two guys, 
five RBIs out of the other seven or eight or nine position players that have gotten at-bats in this series. So if that doesn't continue, or even if it does, is it unlikely that's going to be enough to get them over the hump? At home, we'll see. Logan Webb's been really good. Um, He was spectacular in Game 1, struck out 10 in in 7 and 2 thirds. And um, that's what they're pinning their hopes to. I can't wait for it to start, unfortunately. I have to wait until 9 o'clock, which means I won't see the end of it. But when I come in here tomorrow to talk about it, you'll think I did. And that's that's the beauty (laughs) beauty of of what we do. That's the beauty of what we're doing here. (laughs) Oh, the other beauty of what we do here is every seven or eight minutes or so, we take a Don Jenkins Jeweler timeout and let people breathe. And we're going to take our final Don Jenkins Jeweler timeout of the day. And when we come back, we're going to talk poll results and water cooler conversation. You'll want to be a part of that after this on 93.1 The Fan. Final segment here on 93 on the Fan, Cooking the Monster. I'm John Cook, Garrett C. Right alongside. Uh, poll results. Yeah, so we had two questions up at 93 on the Fan on Twitter. We asked, should they do away with a kickoff and just give teams the ball to 25-yard line? 57% say no. Since we made our eloquent argument yeah, and supported it, it went from 56% to 57, <laughs> nearly 58. So we, we didn't win that debate, Garrett. No, we did not. And our final question was, which are you more likely to watch tonight? Thursday night football or game five between the Dodgers and Giants. 81% say Thursday night football. So game five did creep back up just a little bit, but not not a not a whole lot. Not you know what I think I might do? I think I, I think I might just see if we can put the little ones to to bed a little bit early and just head to like wings and rings and watch them both. <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> Sit down and have two TVs. Yeah. I could probably do it with my laptop and my TV, but that, what fun would that be? And nobody would ring me, you know, like beverages. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know. Um Water cooler conversation for me, if you don't mind if I go first. Oh, that's great. has to do with something that won't interest very many of our people, but it'll tell you a lot about how my mind works as if me being pissed at March shot, you know, <laughs> today because Edward per- Eduardo Perez is on TV isn't a part of what tells you how dysfunctional my mind is. I'm a Buckeye fan, and, and I've never fancied myself as a delusional Buckeye fan. In fact, I think I'm, I'm very reasonable when it comes to the Buckeyes in terms of understanding who they are and what they are. But I want them to be good all the time, every year, and I really, really, really want them to be in the college football playoff. Uh, one year when they made it to the playoff, I was one of the guys saying there's no way they deserve to be there, but I was ecstatic that they were there. I don't know if they're going to get there this year. There's a playoff predictor out there that I could get into and talk to you about with ESPN that I think is hilarious because the Buckeyes have a better chance of winning the national title right now uh, than they do of getting into the playoff, percentage-wise, which I found huh. interesting. Um, or, or finishing out the season unbeaten, I'm sorry. getting into the, Winning the national title is like a 9% chance. Running the table to get there is like a 6% chance or something. But I want to talk about Iowa, because Iowa's number two in the country. And Iowa hasn't been ranked this high since 1985. If you're keeping score at home, that's before Garrett was born. That is, that is true. And uh, it's not before I was born. By a long shot. Um, in fact, I remember when they were ranked number two I remember two watching in Chuck Long. I, leading, I watched Chuck Long well. I watched William White and the boys upset them in an absolute torrential downpour in Iowa City once. But the point being that, that did, did, you know, did you know that with Alabama's loss on Saturday last week, which we've not spent nearly enough time on, we'll, get, we'll remedy that tomorrow. <laughs> um, Iowa has the second longest winning streak in America right now. They've won 12 games in a row. That's the third longest winning streak in the history of their program. They won 13 games in a row in 2008 and 9. And then before that, they had a 14-game winning streak in 1899 to 1900. And a 20-game winning streak between 1920 and 1923. 
I don't know how good Iowa is. Here's what I know. If Penn State's starting quarterback, Sean Clifford, did not get hurt on Saturday, their winning streak would be zero games. That is correct. It would be zero games. Penn State was controlling that football game. They were going to win that game. And I know Iowa's number two, and I know when you win, you move up. But Iowa was not going to win that football game. And I'm doing all this simply to tell myself that, that if and when Ohio State and Iowa meet, Ohio State's clearly the better team, and we don't have to worry too much as Buckeye fans. They're going to win. Uh, again, I'm trying to find ways to gain that confidence because it doesn't naturally come to a pessimist like me. I've learned a little bit about Iowa football through checking some of these things out, and now I've decided that I was at one time rooting for Purdue on Saturday. Now I'm not. I'm rooting for Iowa. I need them to win all their games until they play Ohio State. Yeah, it's a pretty good. Uh, it's a pretty good way to look at it. That uh, you want, they've got to be as good. That's just the way it works for me. But now I've decided, and and my former pastor Scott Cayley, who is no way in the world has ever listened to this show, but he'll be proud of me. <laughs> I say boiler up, and and then uh, now that's probably the death knell. But I'm going to root for the Boilermakers, or no, I'm going to root for Iowa. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm going to root for Iowa. See, I had myself talked into it. I was going to root for Purdue, and I don't want to. I want Iowa undefeated. Yeah, that's kind of a. They, they both have a, a little history relatively recent with Ohio State that I don't necessarily want to see either of them. Far too much of a history. Well. Far too much of a history. I didn't leave you any time for your I got water cooler. Quick stuff. one. The, quick. The, the the national spelling bee is leaving after twenty eight years. It's owned by Scripps, right? So Scripps gonna put it on their own networks called Ion and Bounce. Have you ever heard of Ion or Bounce? I've heard of Ion. Okay. Because my wife watches a lot of uh, Blue Bloods on Ion. Supposedly, according to Scripps, this will bring them a brand new audience. Yeah, of no one. Yeah. <laughs> Lots yeah. of people watch it on ESPN. Nobody. ESPN watchers, though, if you traded hockey for the spelling bee, you got to call that a win. Yeah, right? <laughs> I think you're probably right there. I think you're probably right. Hey, we appreciate you joining us today. Thanks so much again to Chris Summers of Spencerville High School, Andy Schaefer of Columbus Grove for joining us on the Mary First Home Mortgage Hotline. Thank you for listening. We will be back again at 4 o'clock tomorrow. Cookie and the Monster right here on Lima Sports Radio, 93.1 The Fan.